do. He prepared to dive after the kingfish, relaxing to take a good, deep breath, when suddenly his whole body was thrown into a contraction of pain and fear. And he screamed through his snorkel as something sharp and ragged and terribly heavily seized his leg and hip and shook him with tremendous force. What? <laughs> demonized? Oh, black demon eyes. Oh, yeah, the scene of shock size. The Great Dive Podcast is hosted by your buddies, James and Brando. It's going to be a lot of Yakame. What's uh, what you having for brekkie today, mate? Can I get a hell no on that? Well, mate, you know what I was doing last night? I was sitting around watching telly. a little of the old uh, bush telly and uh, <laughs> bush watching telly, a bit yeah. of the. <laughs> what is the bush? <laughs> I don't even want to know what the bush telly is. <laughs> Giving a giving a little go at the old Shark Fest on Nat Geo oh, last night. Yeah, a couple. Of I was intrigued by the name of Shark Kano. Yes, and it wasn't what I was thinking. It wasn't the sci-fi high action explosion volcano living breathing shark I was expecting. I'm intrigued now. What could it? It was more. It was more about how the sharks are attracted to the the hot the hotter water of these volcanic islands oh okay and they and they had an episode on before that of these uh big attacks big bites of all these i mean this was like a classic shark show of people like getting just mangled yeah mangled by sharks and firsthand accounts and some uh phone video of these guys hitting shore and but all the destruction and drama did you hear the news of that 10 year old boy getting like taken out of a boat down there yeah. in australia i did yeah like there's been right, a, a, yeah. a, bu- a bunch of attacks the last couple of weeks yeah it wasn't uh, australia though it was off the coast of um tasmania if i'm not mistaken but yeah they, yeah uh, hey listen <laughs> that little anchor bite i had it probably had it coming to him <laughs> anchor bite <laughs> Right. Yeah. You better pack your dockies, mate. Ah, the little rat bag probably had it coming to him. <laughs> rat bag. That's a good one. Ass hat isn't in there? Is ass hat in there? I think I think uh ass hat is a little more American. Mostly probably like Midwestern Michigan, Plymouthy, <laughs> Joy Road, <laughs> Joy and Ridge Road area, Southwest Corner, Schwartz household. It's uh, used quite often. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think in my upbringing, ass hat would have been a compliment compared to a lot of what I got. 
Well, thanks. You must be in a good mood today. <laughs> oh, crikey. Well, listen, watching all these uh, shark shows and these shark bites, I, I, I'm not ready to give up on uh, the shark talk. Okay. And last year, you'll remember we did an awesome shark story with old Borsi. Remember that story with Henry Borse who got his leg bit off? Yeah. The shark took my leg. <laughs> shark took my leg. Shark's so in the to... water. <laughs> my leg was in the water. <laughs> my leg is in the water. <laughs> Two legs go in the water. Shark's in the water. <laughs> One leg One come leg. out of the water, mate. <laughs> out of the water. I know that a lot of people are really looking at understanding sharks, trying to get to know them better, be much more conserva- uh, conservational, conservative. Uh, what's it, what's, sure, you know, you know, uh, uh, for these sharks and protecting. And I get that. I totally get that. I'm a hundred percent on board with that. They're mostly women. They're mostly women that are into sharks. No, 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 no. Oh, yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. Because they like the bad boys. They like bad boys. (laughs) They do. (laughs) They like the bad boys. That's how you know. That's how you. They like the bad blokes. You mean they like the bad blokes? Right. They like the bad blokes. They like those. They like those Bruces, if you know what I mean. All right, mate. And uh, yeah, they're probably the same ones having you know (laughs) affairs with prisoners. (laughs) Bad boys. They like a bad boy. One minute, Tina. Let me put on a little bit of me lippy. We'll go talk to this Brucey over here. Me lippy. I think Australian is basically take a word, cut off half of it, and put a Y on the end. That's what I'm getting. <laughs> hey, listen. We shouldn't be talking uh, just all this nonsense. We got a party to record, mate. Aye, a party. Welcome back to the Great Dive Party, everybody, mates. Oh, yeah, mates. You're here with your number one bloke, Brando. <laughs> and little Joey Jamesy. Little, jo- little Joey, eh, mate? <laughs> He's out on walkabout in the outback, eh? Ta. He's gone walkabout. In the nudie. He's gone Ta, walkabout. in the nudie. <laughs> in the nudie, eh? <laughs> Trying to wave, wave off the biteies. <laughs> so we're going to go all the way down to South Australia this week. We're going to go full crikey on you, mate. And we're going to go to a couple of stories from the 1960s, the South Australian shark attacks. A story that was written by Brian Roger and the one and only Rodney Fox of the original cage diving fame. Oh, noise. Noise. So I knew me a bloke that went down to see Rodney back in uh, the late 1990s. <laughs> he was a local Detroit police cop diver. We all called him Sharky. Sharky, hey, mate. He had a he had a bit of a love for the for diving the Great Whites. In fact, I, I went to uh, I went to uh, this is a guy that I went to Isla Guadalupe with uh-huh. back in the early 2000s. He was really on this Great White Shark kick. But he went down and saw Rodney Fox to dive with him and, and the, with those great whites down there. But, yeah, so Rodney was basically nearly was killed in a great white shark attack uh, while he was spearfishing, defending his spearfishing title down there in Australia. Or I should say down there in Australia. <laughs> and uh, 
Got the bit of the old chompy on the old uh, torso, if you know what I mean. A bit of the old chompy, eh? Chompy <laughs> the, will do uh, you in, mate. Crikey. But uh, in, a, in an effort to learn more about these sharks and see what was going on, like after, uh, I think, taking his uh, uh, wife and maybe a kid, kind of a little family trip uh, to the zoo, and seeing the lions in the zoo, he had this epiphany of like, oh, why don't we like throw a, like a steel cage off the side of the boat, and then I can like actually see and spend time, and I don't have to worry about getting eight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> getting, I don't have to worry about getting me snagging a pickle if you know he, what I mean. He was bit. He was eaten. Eaten. Is he? Is he all right? He was eaten. <laughs> so yeah, and then uh, after. After Jaws came out and the movie was a hit, people had asked him about, hey, can we can we go down in your cage and get a view? And a booming business that he's now had for over 40 years was started, basically. Grooming. Yeah, kind of kind of a cool story. Now, the story we're going to talk about today isn't as... Ain't uh, that. It's <laughs> not as groovy. <laughs> yeah. It's a little more, it's a little more bloody. But I've, I've got a hell of a collection. I've got a couple of these cool books from the 60s on sharks. Sharks, attacks on man. They're man-haters. But this is from a book called Sharks and Shipwrecks, which is kind of cool. cool. It kind of bounces back chapter after chapter. Shark chapter, treasure hunting chapter. So in the spirit of Shark Fest, it's still going on. And as we lead up to the classic Discovery Channel Shark Week, I think we're going to go old school, great dive podcast and kind of Go through this story of a couple of the big South Australian shark attacks, in particular, that occurred in that early 60s era that kind of set the precedent for the sharks. So we're going to do the other side of it. We're going to do the fun, the wild, the dramatic, the violent, the bloody, gory parts of the reality of Sharks are kind of the apex predator out there. Yeah. Yes, they are. Right underneath us. Right underneath us. So, a couple of these stories are a real dog's breakfast, if you know what I mean, mate. No, I don't know. I do not know what you mean now. A dog's a, a, breakfast, eh? A complete mess. Ah. Ah. That makes a little more sense. I got it. Okay, so... Crack yourself a tolly, and uh, we'll get started. A tolly, eh? A tolly. Or just a little stubby. It's early in the morning. <laughs> Grab yourself a stubby. A stubby or a tolly. I'll stick to I'm assuming that's uh, beer. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Or you're going to stick to coffee. I'm going to stick to my coffee. I'm, I'm not at that point yet where I've started. Shark attacks around the world form puzzling and inclusive patterns, Brando. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Some places where sharks are plentiful have never known an attack. Other places, similar in climate, geography, and general conditions, have had more than their share of fatal encounters between man and shark. Scientists' theories about high water temperatures triggering shark activity have also been thrown overboard by cold water attacks in Tasmania, Victoria, New Zealand, and Western Australia. And as you and I know, like, they're starting to see a lot of 
new sightings of great whites coming up that northern coast, northeastern coast of the U.S. Right. In and around that Massachusetts, up into Maine, all, all up in that area. Yeah, those have, that's always been a, a hotbed. I mean, that's where Jaws was filmed. I mean, not filmed, and, but that's where it was supposed to take it place. Took, took place, yeah. right. Yeah, so, I mean, that's always been a hotbed for great, great white activity, I thought. Yeah, but originally, like it was the the great white up there was an anomaly, right? They didn't think that's why they, they didn't really think, like, what is a great white doing in this area? Huh. But they've but in the last decade or two, they've definitely been growing in popularity. And one of the things that they were saying on the shows that I noticed last night is you're seeing a larger increase in the population of the seals in that area. Huh. What I've looked at, like reading through this book, Sharks, Attacks on Man, that I have, which was published back in 1975. You know, they mentioned in there, too, that more people in the water is what means more attacks in the water, right? Well, mathematically. If ever, <laughs> yes. Yeah, if nobody goes swimming, yeah. guess what? Nobody's going to get attacked by a shark. Yeah, you ever read that book, How to Lie with Statistics? Well, there you go. Yeah, shark right. attacks are on the rise, mate. Well, people are on the rise. People are in the water on the rise. Uh, you got to look at that, too. So, If nobody plays the lottery, nobody wins Nobody the wins, right. So if they, yeah, they could actually say shark attacks have fallen off the charts if, you you know, you have a quarantine where all the beaches are closed. Yeah, shark attacks fall off the charts. Oh, the the sharks must have COVID. No, there's just nobody swimming because you closed all the all the beaches, so there aren't any attacks anymore. Yeah, but over here in America, it would be they would uh, they would put up a new stop sign and close the beaches, <laughs> and then the politicians for re-election would be like, it, my it stop works. sign has stopped <laughs> shark attacks. Yeah. I don't think that's uh, limited to America. I think that ridiculousness is worldwide. It's a politician thing, not a locality thing. So, in some instances, which have been considered entirely safe for many years with no previous shark incidents, may suddenly have an isolated and horrifying series of attacks which leave them with ill reputation for years. And as we see... You know, 45 years after Jaws, we know there's still that psychological effect of that movie. True. Uh, Now, they mentioned that whether attacks in series are caused by a single rogue shark or other factors is open to argument. But for four years in succession, from 1961 to 1964, a white shark struck a skin diver every year along Australia's Southern Shores. All right. So, Aldanga Beach, with its fringe and reef, lies in St. Vincent's Gulf, about 55 miles south of Adelaide. (laughs) Did you know that, mate? No. Crikey. Get out your mappy. (laughs) It is one of a series of southern curving beaches with high red bluffs on a peninsula which ends with Cape Jervis and a view of Kangaroo Island standing high across the water. Aldenga is a pleasant beach, a favorite with families, and up to the 1960s, regarded as entirely safe. 
The offshore reefs provide good ground for fishing, and it used to be a favorite choice for spearfishing competitions because it pleased both because it pleased both the reef swimming divers and their friends and families who could spend the day on the beach. Its notoriety began on Sunday, March the 12th, 1961, when the Cuda Spearfishing Club and the Underwater Sporting and Photographic Association held their annual spearfishing competition. The president of the association, a South Australian state champion and one of Australia's top competitive divers, Brian Roger, at 21 years, 2.35 meters in height with a huge frame and impressive physique. He was at a physical peak after a summer long diet and exercise program, matey. Oi. <laughs> His strength and fitness were to be vital factors in the events of the day. Did the, did the shark look at him and go, oh, I don't want that fatty one over there? I'm on a, I'm on a strict diet. My cholesterol's a little high. I know, go I'm not going to. Well, he probably wanted that shark might have wanted that lean meat. He didn't want a bite of the old bludger down on the uh, floating on the raft. <laughs> the bludger, hey. The bludger. How'd you like to be called a bludger? I, I, it doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound very. I'd make me go totally aggro. <laughs> Doesn't sound flattering at all. South Australia's last shark attack had been in 1946, and only three other attacks had been recorded since 1836. It was thought that divers were relatively immune to shark attacks, though there had been occasional incidents where whaler sharks stole speared fish from the floats uh, that divers had trailed behind them. They were regarded more as a nuisance than a real danger, which is kind of um, a little bit of ignorance probably at the time. And then there, we got into some uh, understanding and some warning and then a little bit of fear for a long time. And I think now we're getting back to believing the same thing, that sharks can be a little bit more of a nuance <clears throat> than a danger. But that's more of the, the learning and the education and the science that we've had these last couple of decades. Whereas back then, in the early or 1900s, into the mid-1900s, it was just, they didn't know anything. There were so few, we just assumed that, eh, they're like, they're like a bunch of dingoes. Eh, you don't got to worry about those water dingoes, mate. Lest they eat your baby. Lest the dingo eat your baby. Only the week before, at Aldenga, Roger had a 2.7-meter whaler. The biggest shark he had seen up to that time. Whale shark. I believe what he means is actually what we would call a copper shark. Okay. Also called sometimes a bronze whaler, narrow tooth shark, not a whale shark. Okay. So it was the biggest shark that he had seen up to that time. Make a pass at his fish as he was threading a blue devil onto his float. And another shark of unknown size had gobbled 23 kilos of fish plus a pair of plastic shoes off of another diver's float. Brian Rogers remembers being annoyed about the incident because the shoes had belonged to him. But at the time, the size of the shark, which could bolt down all that fish and the shoes at a bite, carried no significance for him. On March 12th, the competition was drawing to a close, and by lunchtime, after four and a half hours in the water, 
Roger already had a good bag of fish, including all the common species except a herring kale. The old herring kale, eh? No wonder he's a little like how you gonna how you gonna win how you gonna win without a herring kale? (laughs) The old herring kale. uh, Is it tiny? Well, it's it's uh, it's your typical it's your typical herring that they uh, you know smoke or pickle or salt. You know the old bit of the old pickled herring. Aye. Got to have that with your fosters, eh? So Roger decided he wanted to try to get some kale into his little tally and uh, knew a spot where he'd seen some earlier, so he wanted to add that to his bag before the competition ended. So he took off over, and he was going to go get some more. So it says here, he speared two kale and a morwong. And a what? <laughs> a morwong. More, it's more wrong than white. <laughs> uh, the good old, the good old sweet-lipped Morwong. <laughs> that's what uh, that's what we used to call me, my girlfriend Melissa back in the day. <laughs> sweet-lipped Morwong, Melissa. I don't want to ask why. <laughs> Suddenly, he was surprised to see two large Mulloway kingfish, twenty-five to thirty kilos in weight, flash beneath him. Now, there's an unusual thing, he thought to himself. (laughs) In all of his years of diving in southern Australia waters, he had not seen these kingfish in open water before. They passed too quickly for a shot, but there was always a chance they would come back, since kingfish are inquisitive creatures. Funny thing, those kingies, he thought to himself. Who knows? Might even see a big shark today. (laughs) You might, mate. He had never seen a really big shark and rather looked forward to it as filling a gap in his diving experience. The irony of it was one of those strange things remembered long afterwards. The casual thought followed by reality, but a reality of a kind he could never have imagined. Hmm. You asked for it, mate. <laughs> right, right. You got it. You get, you get what you ask for uh-huh. sometimes, unfortunately. Well, the the universe has a way of, you know, this could be a bit of karma for going out there and just killing fish for sport. Well, there you go. Look at uh, look at Great Dive Podcast getting all environmental all of a sudden. We're all greeny, eh? Look out. <laughs> look wee- out. We're going to get the comments rolling in on this week's bush telly. <laughs> a wee bit of that greeny, mate. <laughs> on this week's bush party. <laughs> bush party. The bush party gone grainy, eh? What's a good word we can come up with for uh, for comments? A good Australian word for comments. Commies. You just put a Y on things, eh? Boy, they, everybody's <laughs> going to be making the commies on this week's bush t- bush party. <laughs> We're talking about environmentalism. Oi. Crikey, mate. You better you better calm down that cake hole before uh, the <laughs> commies start rolling in. <laughs> I, I think... Well, what are we going to get? Are we going to get the anti-green or are we going to get the green? I've only had a few. I'm not into spearfishing myself, but I've only had a few uh, encounters. The last time I was with a boat full of spear fishermen was off of uh, Texas, off South Padre Island. They were all just killing the fish, and then they bring them up, measure them, and toss them back in when they weren't the right <laughs> size. I, I was... I was like what right right that's the and that's the problem with a lot of um the hunting population is 
shoot first, measure later. <laughs> and, uh, I'm not. Shoot. I'm not. Uh, I'm not in support of that. I'm not. I have got no issue with spearfishing. Right. Um, it seems like it'd be a very fun way to catch your uh, evening meal and blacken up some fillets. Fun for you, not so much for the Black fish. Blacken up some fillets on the bobby, mate. Yeah. Yeah, the fish would disagree with you if they had a voice on the great dives. I'm going to have to represent the fish. <laughs> I see how you're doing it. Hey, it's not fun. <laughs> it's not fun at all, mate. It's downright hateful and hurtful. It's weird because every time I think we're going to get negative comments. Yeah. We d- we don't, and then something that I don't think is it's gonna get yeah. <laughs> I, I get a comment, it gets like, gets com- it gets comments and gets emails. I'm like, every time I think we're pushing the edge, everybody just laughs it off and thinks we're funny. Right. Everything we throw, every time we throw out something just simple and non casual, talking yeah. about daily talking about daily life is like. I can't believe you guys said that today. Well, that's where we're at. <laughs> that's exactly where we're at. <laughs> I can't believe that. I was offended. <laughs> okay, well, you have the right to be offended. What do you mean you don't like the one-way signs in the grocery <laughs> store? <laughs> yeah, I just uh, please tell me more of what I can and can't do. He prepared to dive after the kingfish, relaxing to take a good deep breath. When suddenly, his whole body was thrown into a contraction of pain and fear. And he screamed through his snorkel as something sharp and ragged and terribly heavily seized his leg and hip and shook him with tremendous force. That sounds me like me at karaoke. <laughs> I'd like to do a tune called Rock Lobster. <laughs> rock Lobster. Are you uh, you doing Rock Lobster by the B fifty two karaoke, Brando? <laughs> I'm a I'm more of a Love Shack guy. <laughs> As the teeth tore through flesh and sinew, he twisted round to find himself looking into the black demon eyes of a three point six meter white pointer shark which had the lower part of his body gripped into his jaws. Hey, Chiefy, you ever seen a shark's eyes? I, are, like de- I like black demon eyes. I'm, I'm more of a, uh, you ever seen a shark's eyes? They're like doll's eyes. Unless the doll demon is a, a demon. Black demon doll's eyes. They're what doll's about a demon eyes. doll? A demon doll, uh, a la Night Gallery or uh, the old Twilight Zone. What was that uh, one episode with... Uh, that little doll that came alive. The old dolls are, are can be a little terrifying, and, and oh, so yeah. just as much so as I, a demon. I would say, in some cases, uh, a a doll might be scarier to come across than a shark in some places, or a demon, or uh, right. a clown for that matter. What about clowns? Right. You ever see a clown's <laughs> eyes, Brando? <laughs> <laughs> All black and shiny. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, so we're talking like a 12-foot shark here. Pretty big. Not enormous as, as far as uh, great whites go. We're gonna, but They won't need a bigger pretty, boat. Pretty damn big. Yeah, they wouldn't need a bigger boat, though. No. It's not, it's not that would, size. It's not a bigger boat size shark, yes. but it's a pretty damn big shark to be coming, all those teeth and all coming at you. <clears throat> Still bigger than him. I once read about jabbing a thumb. Oh, oh hang on. 
Oh, I once read about jabbing me thumb into a shark's eyes to make him let go. <laughs> and tried to reach around with my left arm. Instead of getting his eye, I jammed it down his throat. Oi! Down to the bone in his upper teeth. Crikey. <laughs> Crikey, mate. Oh, we bit of the baddie there. Oh. The baddie luck is what I mean. <laughs> this is turning into a pretty bad arvo, if you know what I mean. You'll have to be good to get out of this one, I thought to myself. <laughs> Surprisingly, he did let go and then came back in a fast, tight circle for another bite. That was really terrifying because now I could see the whole shark and the size and enormous power of him. But at least I had my gun, and now I had room to use it. And as he came around, I slammed a spear into the top of his head about seven centimeters behind the eye. Oy. It hit him hard, stopping his charge while he threw his head from side to side to shake out about a 1.5-meter stainless steel spear. He managed this soon enough. But it was strange how even then... I knew I was badly hurt myself. I got a thrill from planting the spear into something so large and powerful. It was quite irrational, but for a moment, that was all that mattered. And I felt pleased and excited. <laughs> so... Because you imagine being bitten half twice, uh, <laughs> nearly lost your arm too, and you're like, yeah, I got that son of a bitch. Well, I think, yeah, that, that vengeance... Revenge is sweet. Revenge right, is right, a right. dish best served cold, like your especially shocks. In a, especially in what's turning into a, a fight to the death. Oh, right? yeah. To, to know you got a couple good good hits in. Sushi. Then his spade tail flicked away into the murk. And left on my own, I realized just how serious my position was. Looking down at my leg, laid open to the bones, an enormous rents from which the blood clouded. And at my shredded and lacerated arm, I knew that unless I could stop the bleeding, I wouldn't make the distant shore. The actual wounds wouldn't kill me, but the loss of blood would. And the other sharks who can smell it. You know, <laughs> as, like, they, as they come. Ooh, something smells good. Dinner time. It's like, you know, driving down downtown Plymouth with all the restaurants cooking at night. You're like, ooh. <laughs> right, right. Uh, crikey. Hey, some boy's cooking up some spare fishermen <laughs> on the barbie tonight. Let's get me shocky, shocky blokes together. A wee bit of the diver on the barbie. A diver on the barbie. Maybe we should, is that where it's a good title? Episode? Sure. Diver on the barbie. Diver on the barbie, eh? For a moment or two, I wasn't sure what to do, but I found, astonishingly enough, that I could still move my leg, and figured that if I could swim. I had a chance of making sure. Oh, he I'd is. Done a first, uh, I was going to say, he's not even at a boat. He's got to get back to shore. <laughs> See, I get to shore. Crikey. Yeah. I'd done a first aid program as part of the State University Underwater Rescue Squad course. And for the knowledge I'd picked up there, it was pretty useful. About halfway back to the beach, I realized that I was weakening from loss of blood. It occurred to me that the rubber from my spear gun made a natural tourniquet. And I twisted it right over my upper thigh with my knife, jamming the handle under the bottom of my wetsuit. That stopped the blood flow a bit, and I began the longest swim of my life. 
one legged to boot, probably. I mean, <laughs> one, yeah, one legged. Work for I one. mean, th- this is some pretty ingenious ability to think, like in the moment of this. You know, uh, yeah. I, I, I guess you come to a point of such crystal clarity. Yeah, like when you're when you're that close to death, you probably have a, a like a just a a wash of calm in a way it comes over you. Oh, I believe so. I think uh, also you, you know, you're not thinking about the iron you left on, on at home or the, you know, the stove. You're very focused. Your awareness is hyper, hyper uh, stimulated. So yeah, yeah, you know. So we yeah. we we talked about. Uh, like getting into flow, like in right. our episode, right. like if, like if this isn't a trigger to to get into flow, that that coming face to face with the Grim Reaper, right? Yeah, and uh, putting you at, putting you immediately into the zone. I mean, what else is going to get you there? Right, right. All of the unimportant things fall away, and your mind can actually work. So, yeah, you you focus strictly on the task at hand. It seemed to take forever. I kept watching the beach, and it didn't seem to be coming any closer. Gradually, I was getting weaker and weaker. I ditched my gun and lead belt and the float with all my fish with reluctance. (laughs) 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 This guy is killing me. I got these fish. (laughs) Don't you think that maybe the fish also would be like... Well, I guess they could be a, a well, kind of a decoy he, if the well, if don't forget he had that blue devil on there. <laughs> goddamn it! Did he? Did he and ever get damn, the Malawi? And, uh, and that damn herring kale, yeah. <laughs> the the Malawi is that what it is? The Malawi herring kale or whatever? <gasps> no, the Morwong. Is what the Morwong. That's it. Yeah. What about his Morwong? Yeah. 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 Right, he had that all on the line. It was tough to give up, man. You get old, uh, you get old, sweet lip Melissa Morwong on your line. <laughs> yeah, just gonna let her go. And that might have been what uh, attracted the shark. Silly how a few points for a competition and a few dollars worth of gear seemed so important when my own life was at stake. The fish float was borrowed. It didn't allow any blood to trail as it was shaped like a closed-in three-foot rowboat with a ten-inch hole on top. But I had to really force myself to abandon them. So I plodded along, weaker and weaker, keeping going only by determination until it became difficult to breathe, even through a snorkel. I rolled on my back and kicked along that way for a while. The land, beautiful land, came closer. I waved and yelled, Shock! (laughs) But it seemed to have no effect on the people on the beach. He wasn't like uh, one of our, what they learn in rescue classes here. You know, pizza. Got to the beach, started yelling pizza. <laughs> but he looked at him. Like, That's yeah. what I was taught. <laughs> well, like, what, if you were on shore yeah. and somebody was out in in a pool of red ocean water, yeah. screaming shark, are you gonna go out and help him? Out? Are you gonna stand there and go, "Hey, uh, hey, uh, he's I, yelling shark. <laughs> hey, guys, he's yelling shark, mate. See him? He's yelling shark. I'm deaf. <laughs> what? What? Like, I didn't hear that's, anything. That's what you're gonna do. <laughs> What'd you say? What'd you say, mate? But it seemed to have no effect on the people on the beach. I was about at my end of my strength and was just despairing at the waste of vital energy when a rowboat appeared with two young spear fishermen rowing for all they were worth. Hang on, we'll be right with you. It was only a seven-foot boat 
I'm pretty big and heavy. And it was obvious we couldn't all fit in. <laughs> <laughs> They're just going to tow them in, aren't they? I don't know. I, I think you just grab them and just start rowing, man, because trying to get them in the boat can be a pain. No, no, check this out, man. All right. Without hesitation, one of them jumped into the bloodied water where the shark might have still been lurking for all they knew and helped heave me in. He swam behind, pushing to help the boat along the way. Pretty brave stuff, I thought. Yeah, but not the brightest, too, because you might have had two victims there, you know? Yes. First rule of uh, rescue school is don't increase your victim count. <laughs> and you can't yeah. rescue no one when you're bit. <laughs> you know? Right, yeah, no kidding, man. Like, just to jump in. Yeah, brave. Jump in. But not brave. Right in the nudie. <laughs> Oi. Right in the nudie. Didn't, he put, didn't even put on his bathers. Just jumped right in the nudie. Started he, he was in the nudie? In the boat. What's he in the nudie for? What's going on in that boat? <laughs> What the John Dory you doing, matey? <laughs> From then on, everything was okay. A whole lot of divers ran across the reef and picked up the boat bodily to carry it ashore. There was a St. John's ambulance man there. They rigged an old door as a stretcher and hauled me up the cliff, white and blue around the face by this time from loss of blood, and the police organized an ambulance dash to Royal Adelaide Hospital. Roger had lost four liters of blood in his giant frame. Yikes. <laughs> he ain't got much pumping around there, unless he's taking in some salt water there. Yikes. That's that's a major percentage, so you ain't got much oxygen pumping around. You're hypovolemic. You're going into shock, if not already into shock. Yeah, you, he's got to be. Got to be. I think, thankfully, he's got that tourniquet on, so you don't need nearly as much, and that leg's probably a goner, but yikes. Yeah, yeah. They said uh, only his strength and fitness saw him through. Yeah. He had more than 200 stitches in a three-hour operation. The effectiveness of the repair work by Dr. Matuzik and Dr. Hyde was shown when after 16 days in hospital and two months recuperating at home, he was back diving again. Noise. Later in 1961, he set a new Australian freediving record by swimming down 45.4 meters in a Mount Gambier lake on a single breath. He's in the lakes now, a, though. <laughs> a year, yeah. <laughs> yeah, almost stick to the lakes, mate. A year later, he ran a close second to Ron Taylor, later world champion, in the Australian Spearfishing Championships in Western Australia and won the championship aggregate. Rogers' attack severely shook the confidence of South Australian divers. But as months passed, the rawness of their memory waned and it began to be treated as a freak occurrence, unlikely to be repeated. What's the chances, mate? <laughs> Lightning strikes twice in the same spot. So that was... That was spring of 1961 okay on sunday december 10th 1962 16 year old jeff corner and a friend alan phillips were swimming in a spearfishing competition at karakalinga head 22 kilometers south of aldenga where roger had been attacked in the previous year jeff was the south australian junior champion he and Phillips were swimming about 182 meters offshore with a surf ski 
in water about eight meters deep with fair visibility at about one in the afternoon. Phillips had just dived near corner looking for crayfish when he saw a disturbance in the water near his friend. At first, he was pleased, thinking Corner had speared a large fish. Then he saw the tail of a big shark break the surface of the water. Oh, crikey. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, crikey crikey is right, mate. Hey, mate. Should have packed me dockies. Probably pinching fish off the float, he thought. But as he swam over and ran into the welling cloud of blood, he knew with a chill certainty what had happened. He swam for the ski and, sick to his stomach with horror, paddled across to where Connor lay on the surface in a pool of his own blood with the shark gripping his leg. Yikes. Hell of a sight, man. Like That would, uh, yeah, you'd definitely uh, <laughs> reevaluate your hobby real quick. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. Like if you if you and I were out snorkeling, <laughs> and you, 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 you see uh, you see me in a pool of blood with a sh- shark holding like, on my leg. You're like, Brando. Uh, well, I think a, I think a shark got me. How I, I can't see. How's it look? <laughs> look like you gonna die. <laughs> you look bad. It, it, hey, Brando, it hurts right here. <laughs> Not so much down here. Right here, right in this area. Not here, really but not pain. here. It's really painful. Right in this, right in this area, right here. Oh, yeah. The one where that shock's hanging onto your leg, eh? Well, yeah, kind of makes yeah, sense. Yeah, that's it. How do I look? Yeah, you're gonna have to take a sticky. <laughs> Philip says, uh, "I grabbed Jeff and tried to pull him onto the ski, but the shock, which I recognized at once." as a white pointer from its pointed snout and black eye, tugged him down and out of my grasp under the ski. Jeff came up again on the other side of the ski, and I caught him by the shoulders. The shark still refused to let go, and I banged it with the paddles. Hard! Then, for no special reason, it released its grip and just lay on the surface watching us. I tried to pull Jeff onto the ski. He just looked at me, unable to speak, and his eyes rolled back. I think he was dead then. His leg was terribly mutilated, stripped of flesh from the hip to the knee. Yikes. That'd be a sight, eh? That leg's a goner. I don't think they can fix that. Yeah, and then the, the, the shark, like, just sitting there watching you. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Next. Yeah. I'm still licking, uh... his, <laughs> licking his chompers. Still got a wee bit of the appy. <laughs> You're up on the boat, mad as a cut snake. The white pointer just lay there and watched, cold and calculating. I cut the fish off the float and threw them over to distract him. But he took no notice. <laughs> nice. He just kept watching us. Nice try. Then I, <laughs> <laughs> then I found Jeff's hand spear was stuck in his good leg. And I jerked it free and prodded at the shark with it. But he didn't even seem to feel it. He was stuck in his good leg. Yeah, so probably in the in the he melee stuck himself. Shit, he stuck himself uh, with his spear, like in the in the fight with the shark. I couldn't get Jeff right on to the ski, so I paddled for all I was worth with one leg hooked around his body. The shark followed. At any moment, it could have made a rush and tipped us over, or dragged us off the ski. Another spear fisherman, Murray Brampton, 
came paddling across. Keep going, he shouted. And I saw him lift his paddle and bang it down on the shark. That gave us the break we needed. Soon after, I reached the beach, and they said Jeff was dead. Corner's parents and Philip's own wife and child were on the beach. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A year later, on another Sunday morning, December 8, 1963, the third attack took place. Yeah, what a what a sight for the kids. The, your your wife and kids yeah. having a little beach picnic while dad's out, you know, yeah. catching some catching some fish, man. Brutal. And, and that's how they remember him. I mean, that's that's always the thing is that's how you'll be remembered. All the good things you did, that shark just took them all away. All gone. Uh, you know all that he got? There's there's dad with uh for, for anybody, like Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like from now on, anybody that goes, "Hey, uh, you remember that guy we used to work with, Jeff Phillips? Uh, you know, the, he was he was a real master tradesman of. Uh, oh, you mean Jeff the guy that got eaten by the shark? You mean you you, you, ever, you ever Jeff the, uh, the 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 precision sharpshooter? Yes. Uh, out of, remember, yeah, you mean Jeff that got eaten by the shark. You remember Doctor Jeff who saved all those lives? You mean Jeff who got eaten by the shark? Don't you? You you mean. You ever Jeff Corner, the chef? He could he could cook up the um, exactly. amazing beef Wellington. Oh, you mean Jeff that got eaten by the shark? Yeah. Oh, you remember Jeff the astronaut? First yeah. first one to go to Mars. Oh, you mean Jeff the guy who got eaten by the shark? Yeah. I didn't even know. You know, you know that's what that's all you're gonna be remembered for. Exactly. Exactly. What a way to go, man. Brutal. That's tough. That is really tough. And how do you how do you as you know as a child, as you know, your father just got eaten. Your wife, the child. How do they not hate sharks now, unless they can objectify it? But well, and I think that was the the the, the big thing. Yeah, that was the big thing for a long time. Was that that very issue is the the attacks were so gruesome and horrific when they did occur. Right, that they were stories out of you know ghost stories and horror stories that are so frightening and knowing that you can be in that dark black water just for a leisurely swim and with no provocation no notice no warning out of nowhere it's bam you're you're, you're hit like you're being hit yeah. by a submarine hit by a torpedo right a torpedo with teeth. big sharp <laughs> pointy teeth. teeth which brings us to Number three. The story of Rodney Fox. Okay. This time, the scene was Aldenga again, close to the spot where Brian Roger was hit in 1961. And the occasion was the 1963 South Australian State Spear Fishing Championships. The victim was Rodney Fox, the 1962 South Australian champion, strongly favored to retain his title in 1963. And this is the day in of if you were diving, it's because you were spearfishing back in these days. Yeah. Right. And spearfishing competitions were actually like a big thing, you know, biggest fish and the, the, the largest amount of weight of fish. And they were spearing damn near everything they could back in these days. Like you would look through those old 60s spear or uh, old 60s skin diver magazines. It was all about spearfishing. Do recall. 
people weren't diving shipwrecks to dive shipwrecks. They were diving shipwrecks because that's where the the fish were. You know, you know. They weren't diving beautiful walls to to appreciate the the <laughs> life in the wall. They were diving kill you know, a wall because uh, they wanted to kill something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was the day. It may have been that he had unwittingly saved Roger's life in 1961. Fox was swimming near him when Brian was attacked, and though he was unaware of Roger's desperate situation, he himself was circled by a large and aggressive white shark, which came so close at times that he could have touched it with his gun. He kept diving to the bottom, edging shorewards, and the shark stayed with him 10 minutes or more. 10 minutes. Can you imagine being... Like circled by a great white shark for ten goddamn minutes. It'd be a little tense, like just just out in open water, and uh, you've got a great white circling around you. But if nothing happens, do you think that establishes your new bar? You're like, oh, they're not gonna hurt me. I'll just I, I go looking for them now. <laughs> well, this is the thing: is like, so you're watching a lot of people doing like free diving on Shark Fest and on Shark Week. Right. With these great whites, I think it's a little bit different when you're in Isla Guadalupe and you've got 100 feet of visibility. And they're not killing other... I mean, there's not a bunch of dead fish hanging around with blood going in the water. Right, 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 right. Which, Big you know, difference. Yeah. Yes. It whets their appetite and they're like, hmm, something smells good. There's a big old piece of meat right there. Could be that. Let's check it out. Yes. So... That's the thing is like, so for people who their only exposure to great white sharks is they got into diving a year or two ago and they're seeing people on Discovery Channel and Net Geo free diving and grabbing onto the dorsal fin of a 16 foot great white. And uh, oh man, this little friendly little, (laughs) this friendly little. Cute. uh, Oh, yeah. Adorable. This friendly little golden retriever giving a huggy Mm -hmm. and a snuggle. Uh, yeah. Compared to when you're in dark water. Yeah. With 20 feet of visibility. If that, yeah. And then when you come close enough to see that you're in the water with a great white goddamn <laughs> shark. <laughs> Son of it's not It's not a cute, cuddly, yeah. yellow lab. No. Old, old yeller, my friend. When you look into its doll's eyes, chiefy. <laughs> it's dark, Demon black doll's eyes. Fox thought later that it was probably the shark which had attacked Roger, now following the diffused blood trail. The distraction offered unintentionally by Rodney Fox may have allowed Roger to escape and possibly saved his life. At Aldenga in 1963, because of the previous attacks, the organizers of the competition had boats picking up competitors' catches to avoid attracting sharks. They didn't they still didn't have a helicopter patrol checking the waters out there. No, they, they do now. Yeah. Uh, but but this is a big step I think for the time. Well, sure. Eh, let's uh let's get these bloody fish out of the water as quick as possible. Not not a <laughs> bad be, call. Could be something to that <laughs> to the old blood attracting the sharks, yeah. Right, like could you imagine back in the day like I'm out for 4 hours? Just spearing fish, throwing them on a line, yeah. and just dragging them, dragging, dragging them behind me like a lure, big old lure, and on the goddamn hook. Right. That was, again, that was what was going through my mind, diving with the uh, spear fishermen. Of course, these weren't these weren't free divers. These were guys on scuba. You know, we're way the hell out there. Uh, so 
you know, nobody's getting in any trouble. You're outside in international waters. I was just yeah, worried. Like on, the blood, man. What about the blood? And this is like yeah, and big animal scuba, central. Yeah. Yeah. Being on scuba where now I'm down at depth and you know, they're going deeper because they want to like, Oh yeah. The, the fish at the end. Cause you're on an oil rig, right? Right. That's, you're out on the rigs. Yeah. Yeah. So you can go as deep as you really want mm-hmm. for the most part. Knowing that I've got to do like safety stops, maybe some decompression, but the very minimum I'm, I'm sitting in the shallows for three to five minutes with all these bloody fish. fish yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. And I was just going to, to look at fish, right? Wanting to see a yeah. wanting to see a big animal. A boat was close to Fox, whose total of fish already made him a likely winner. When they heard the scream, Shark! Shark! <laughs> and saw him threshing in blood-stained water. Yikes. <laughs> I, I immediately have that uh, that scene from Jaws where, where the Jaws, whatever, Bruce, whatever his name is, they he uh grabs the, I think it's the girl, right? Isn't it the girl? Yeah. And just yeah, like Chrissy. Chrissy swimming her through the water and throwing her around like a rag doll and Right, right. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Well, you know, you, you think like when you're watching that, like the way she's getting thrown around at the surface, how like overly dramatic it is. But then like you you read the story. You're like, like maybe not. First hand account, <laughs> like, yeah, geez. Oh. Man, oh, unbelievable. Well, when you see the actual footage of, uh, like, a seal, a big old seal, and how much do they weigh, some of those monster seals, and it tosses uh, a seal around like nothing. He had been gliding across the bottom, spear gun extended in front of him, drifting in for what should have been the perfect headshot on a nine-kilo dusky Morwong, a clincher for the title. Nice. Fox was about a kilometer from shore on the edge of a deep water drop-off from 7 to 18 meters with less than an hour of the competition left to go. His finger tensed on the trigger. He, he sensed rather than felt everything go still in the water around him. It's pretty weird. It'd be eerie, that a, a wee bit eerie. Well, that, that's funny because like, uh, when I'm reading through this book, Sharks attacks on man that I was saying earlier. This, this other book, a, a lot of descriptions like they say, like everything went eerily still yeah. and everything got eerily dark, everything got eerily silent. And I, I could feel something eerie and present. Yeah, you wonder if that's a, a memory thing clearing your head and you your mind picked up every nuance because you were, you know. You're recollecting now. You're 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 recollecting from an extreme trauma. Immediately, you're recollecting it, and you you haven't like blocked it out, and it just seemed that way. Yeah, yeah. Or I don't know. It's the shark got some magical powers. It just puts you in a trance kind of thing. Everybody. <laughs> yeah. It was a silence, a perceptible hush. Then something huge hit me on the left side with enormous force and surged me through the water. I knew it. I knew it once what had happened and was dazed with horror. I felt sick, nauseous. My mask was knocked off and everything was blurred. 
and there was a queer sensation as though all my insides were squeezed over to one side. Oh. I, oh. oh. <laughs> Yikes. Oh, That's going to leave a mark. <laughs> That's going to leave a mark. Uh, yeah. I reached out behind and groped behind for the shark's eyes. At that point, it let go of me. And I pushed my arm down its throat by accident. <laughs> I, so I, this is happening a couple of times. Yeah. I guess you're just like pu- pushing and fighting away. And all of a sudden, whoop, right down, down the throat. inside of the mouth. Yeah. Uh, with the release of the pressure, uncontrollable agony swept over me in waves. But at least I was free. As I kicked back to the surface and air, I felt the shark under my flippers all the way. As I gulped air, I felt the scrape of his hide and wrapped myself around him so he couldn't bite again. <laughs> so now he's bear hugging. Yeah. He's bear hugging the great white shark. Are you going to believe that shit? <laughs> Why, you son of a... I, I would think, you know, like I know how my temper goes. If I get, if I, you know, even bang my hand with a hammer, that hammer's got to die. It's going to die. <laughs> right, right, right. It's you an inanimate see, object, but much less I've seen my temper with people as well. You stub your toe on the on the, on the the bed. Your, your, yeah. your wife comes home. The the frame is like through the window. <laughs> exactly. Well, and, and you, <laughs> you, you just think, you know, something's got to you, – you completely forget how hurt you are as far as, okay, my, my arm's hanging off the side. I want this thing dead now. Yeah, I have some anger issues. (laughs) (laughs) The shark took me back to the bottom. We rolled around scraping rocks and weeds, and I let go, desperate again for air. On the surface, there was red everywhere, my own blood. What's blue and white and red all over? (laughs) (laughs) Rodney 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 Fox in the 1963 (laughs) spearfishing competition. On the surface, there was red everywhere. My own blood. And through it, the head of a shark appeared. Conical snout. Great rolling body like a rust-colored tree trunk. Indescribable terror flowed through my body. But just before it reached me, it veered away, and I felt the tug of the fish float on my belt. The shark had grabbed my fish float, and suddenly I was jerked below again and towed 9 or 12 meters or more on my own line. It seemed ridiculous to die of drowning after all I've been through. <laughs> but my fumbling fingers couldn't undo the belt to which the line was attached. Can you imagine that? Like, there's no way I'm going out. There's no way I'm going out being pulled underwater by this damn fish line. Then the line parted, perhaps on the shark's teeth, and I floated up to the surface. Crazy, man. Oh, yeah. What's amazing is w- when you see a great white with your own eyes, I mean, they're big. And you can tell that they're big when you see them on TV and stuff. Mm-hmm. But to me, the, the most shocking part is when you see them come head on and, and you just see how wide. Yeah. It's, like the, the girth of their body is. It's massive. I mean, to me, like knowing that. You could easily sit inside that goddamn thing. Yeah, it's like a, a car or a truck coming at you with teeth, <laughs> right. you know? Yeah, yeah. They dragged Rodney Fox into the boat, and the men there, friends of his, were almost sick when they saw the extent of his injuries. His rib cage, lungs, 
and upper stomach were exposed by great flaps of skin and sinew flayed back. His arm was ripped to the bone. His lungs were punctured, ribs crushed from the enormous bite of the shark. His friend Bruce Farley kept him bending forward, huddled in the bow of the boat to keep the wounds closed. I... Um, hang on. That's a I tough one. For you. It's like, where do you begin the treatment there? He needs, a- obviously, he's breathing, he, airway. You know, you go to your ABCs always as a medic, but there's so much damage, so much vital damage, too. You're like, fudge. How do you keep that guy alive? We knew he was bad. But we didn't open up his wetsuit to find out the full extent. We made that mistake with Brian Roger, and his leg fell apart. Keeping the suit on was to be a vital factor. Absolutely. Wait, let the medics... Ooh, that's something, yeah, that's yeah. something you wouldn't think of, right? Oh, actually, Well, if you were a medic, you would. You, we have anti-shock trousers, they're called. Uh, MASTs, military anti-shock trousers, which are basically like compressed... They're, they're pants you put on someone who's terribly wounded, that's lose, lost a lot of blood, but they can also serve to hold everything together. So you put these pants on and they inflate. You inflate them. And uh, they keep the blood up in the body to the heart and brain to keep you alive. Yeah, yeah. But that's kind of, I mean, it's not the exact same thing, but keeping the compression of the neoprene on the body would definitely be a great help. Holding, yeah, 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 yeah. holding the pieces yeah, hold together. Hold that all, all together, yeah. Farley organized the beach rescue, finding a policeman almost as soon as he jumped ashore. He knew all the right numbers to ring. And they got Fox into a private car and began driving him towards Adelaide while an ambulance dashed south to meet them. He was in hospital 55 kilometers away less than an hour after being picked up by the boat. He was lucky enough to find a surgeon on duty who had returned that day from doing a specialized course on chest operations in England. Rasping and choking on his own blood, Fox was so close to death that he heard someone at the hospital suggesting that they should call a priest. But I'm a Protestant, he choked. (laughs) (laughs) Indignantly before the significance sang in. Fox's toughness and physical fitness carried him through. But there is no doubt if it had not been for the speed with which he and Brian Roger were got to the operating theater, they would have shared Jeff Connor's fate. Both were on their last reserves of strength with such severe loss of blood that another hour without expert aid and transfusion would surely have been too much even for their exceptional constitutions. It was significant that neither of them went into shock, a factor which kills many shark victims. Apart from their superb physical fitness, this may have been because, as divers, they were familiar with sharks and had, without realizing it, psychologically prepared themselves for surviving an attack. In 1964, the South Australians won the Australian Spearfishing Championship team's event. In the South Australian team were Brian Roger, Bruce Farley, and Rodney Fox. Sons of tough sons of bitches. <laughs> With Fox's experience, 
the series of white shark attacks in St. Vincent's Gulf ended. It may have been partly because the third shark attack was the last straw for many South Australian divers who turned to safer sports and spearing competitions dwindled, except for a, a few diehards. Or it may simply have been part of the unpredictable pattern of attacks everywhere. No one really knows why they start or why they stop, except the sharks. <laughs> and there you go. And they ain't telling. They ain't telling. Yeah, and old uh, old Rodney now is uh, you know he has you know Rodney uh, Rodney Fox Rodney Fox Shark Expeditions, where you can go and do tours, uh, shark diving dives, uh, cage dives. So you can check his website out at rodneyfox.com.au, and um, yeah, pretty. Uh, pretty amazing story you know and he's uh he's been you know he's wrote a couple of books an autobiography sharks the sea and me you can get but uh four years later you know he's been doing these uh great white shark tours and shark dives and wild stuff man groovy yeah that is definitely uh an interesting story well hey this was a pretty big one pretty big story for our little shark excursion that we're on here having some fun and once again you know um i understand that sharks need our protection and without them you know uh this world is in a a bad place because they uh serve a vital part of our ecosystem so us telling the scary horrible shark attack stories is not to bring back about uh, a fear and a hatred of sharks I just think they're like fun and wild and cool and crazy ass stories to hear. Yeah, powerful creatures for sure. And in many ways, you know, a lot of TV and uh, movies either do one or the other. They so over dramatize the shark, or they really, you know, whitewash it and clean it all up like it's not a problem you don't have any of that reality back right. in the middle very very much anymore so uh, this these stories kind of you know given the day the age in which they were occurring i think back to the jacques Cousteau, uh special where they beat the shit out of all these sharks that were attacking a whale that they had accidentally hit a baby whale they hit with the prop so they had to kill the whale, put it out of its misery, and they were towing it on the side of, of the Calypso. And sharks just came out of the freaking woodwork, if there's woodwork. Sharks came out, out of out of everywhere, right? And they yeah, yeah. they just got in there and started beating the shit out of all these sharks, taking big gaffling hooks and chucking them in the heads and pull them on, on uh, the deck and then beating them with bats, you know, and... Uh, they filmed it all. <laughs> and, and of course, the narration is, and Jacques really like, he is not the green Jacques Cousteau that we all know and love. Now. Yeah, that was <laughs> in, that was in uh, Silent World. Silent World, thank you, yes. Yeah, no, that was, uh, that was a, the early Jacques where he himself was afraid of the sharks and uh, thought of them as monsters as well. And when we talked about Jacques, you know, a couple months ago, a couple episodes back, remember, um, years later, decades later, when they re-released that movie, the producers wanted to 
delete that scene. He wouldn't let him. And Jacques at the time was, no, nah, that was us back then. Right. Leave it in. I, I've learned. I made mistakes. Right. Uh, I'm not the man that I once was, but I don't want you to go hiding that right. from people. That's a, a stark contrast to society today where if you yeah. made any mistakes, you're going to pay for them. If you ever made a mistake, you're going to pay for the rest of your life for it. Whereas I, I, I like that about Jacques. It's like this is me, warts and all. And uh, yeah, I got to admire too. him for that. Absolutely, it's one of the big things that I admire about old Jockey. Well, crikey, mate. Yes, you, you had better had packed your dockies for that one, because that was a long one. Yeah, fair dinkum. Fair dinkum. Now, you're not going to be able to stop saying fair dinkum. <laughs> no, I'm not going to be. Fair dinkum, uh, Well, I hope you little rippers enjoyed that party from old James and Brando today. It was uh, defo a good one, in my opinion. So, on that note, should we uh, sign off? Let's sign off. All right. No walkers, everybody. We'll see you next week. Crying <laughs> game. Safe diving, mates. of receptionist one's named casey one is named stacy i'm pretty sure they're both called sheila sheila's right <laughs> casey is australian and she's here in the states and she's trying to use a uh, an american accent so occasionally an australian w- accent will slip through like she says fern instead of phone i'll call you on the fern i'm like at first, I, because it's only one or two words, and I kept going, I'm sorry, excuse me, what, <laughs> right, right, right. pardon me, and finally she says, I have to apologize, I'm, I'm Australian, and I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to use, I'm trying to get rid of my accent, but occasionally a word or, or a couple will slip through. <laughs>